Coming Back is a listener-supported podcast. To support the show and receive weekly grief guidance from me, monthly group grief support calls, and the first look at my upcoming books, online courses, and projects, become a patron now at patreon.com slash shelbyforsythia. Just $3 a month gets you access to everything there is to see on Patreon, plus connection to a beautiful group of grievers just like you. Unlock grief support now for $3 a month and support this show at patreon.com slash Shelby for Scythia. Thank you this week to Katie, JS, Courtney, and Rebecca for becoming patrons. And thank you so much for listening. What if you could improve your relationship to grief a little bit every day? If you're looking for comforting words and practical exercises condensed into one small paragraph each day, check out my new book, Your Grief, Your Way. It's a non-religious daily devotional that helps you get in touch with your heart and your grief for a full 366 days. Find your grief your way now on Amazon, Audible, IndieBound, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere else you buy books. And stay tuned to the end of this episode for a special excerpt from Your Grief, Your Way. Hi there, and welcome to Coming Back, a podcast about coming back to life after death, divorce, diagnosis, and more. Today, I'm speaking to Dara Kurtz, who, after unearthing an old Ziploc bag of letters from her mother and grandmothers, has published a new book called I Am My Mother's Daughter, Wisdom on Life, Loss, and Love. We'll talk about the power of uncovering old communications from people we love who have died, and why you might consider leaving letters for the people you love after you're gone. I'm Shelby Forsythia, an intuitive grief guide and author who speaks, writes, and teaches powerful truths on grief and loss. My mom's death in 2013 set me on the path to becoming a lifelong student of grief, and I use what I learned to create a world where grief is welcomed, normalized, and even embraced. Because even through grief, we are growing. Let's get started. Hi there, grief growers. Before we dive into today's conversation, I just wanted to let you know that my new book, Your Grief, Your Way, is now available for pre-order. This is a daily guidebook for grief that combines comforting quotes and practical exercises to help you slowly and surely and gently navigate your way back to life after the death of a loved one. I was approached to write this book in January by Penguin Random House, which was a total dream come true. And I spent the first two months of quarantine from March to May of this year putting it all together. Yes, you heard that right, grief growers. I wrote a whole book in 60 days. If you or someone you love could use a little daily wisdom on coming back to life after loss, I really hope that you'll pre-order this book. After my mom died, I struggled to read And a devotional like this, one that was non-religious and practical and powerful, was exactly the book that I wish I had then. I wrote it for the girl that I was when my mom died. And in writing it, I wrote it for you too. I hope that it offers you some power and peace of mind wherever you are in your grief. If you've already pre-ordered a copy, first off, thank you. And second, if you'd like to get a free digital copy of the book and an invitation to an exclusive book launch party on September 29th, 
I hope you'll join me in the Your Grief Your Way launch team on Facebook. In exchange for writing an Amazon review on September 29th when the book officially goes on sale, I'll send you a free digital copy of the book to read in advance and take your questions during a special hour-long book launch party the evening of September 29th. Your Amazon reviews help Your Grief Your Way get noticed by grievers who need to see it and simultaneously tell the publishing industry that there is a demand for grief books. So if you have the time and the bandwidth in this year that is 2020, I would love to offer you a free digital copy of Your Grief Your Way and an invitation to a private book launch party with me. You can find out more about Your Grief Your Way by following the link in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much, always, 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 grief growers, for supporting my work in the world, especially this new little book, Your Grief, Your Way. And now, my wonderful interview with fellow author, Dara Kurtz. Grief growers, I am really excited to introduce you to Dara Kurtz, who has written a book already, but is coming out with another book about grief called I Am My Mother's Daughter, Wisdom on Life, Loss, and Love. And it sounds like, uh, and I love, we're going to get into the story of how this book was created, but it sounds like a box of letters or a Ziploc bag of letters was discovered. And then lots and lots of wisdom on life from generations up poured out. So Dara, welcome to the show. And if you could please uh, share your lost story with us. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So my lost story, my mom passed away about two to three, about two and a half weeks after I had my first daughter and it was my first child and she had cancer. It was a form of skin cancer called melanoma. And it was just a really devastating time for me to have a new baby and to be so happy and joyful. And at the same time, lose your mom. And it was just, I didn't really know how to deal with those two extremes at the same time, but I was in my late twenties and just kind of put on a a happy face, if you will, kept saying, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine. And really didn't know how to deal with the grief and the pain and the loss. And so while I did the best that I could, of course, I've learned a lot between now and way back then. Um, and then I lost both my grandmothers later on. They um, were a very important part of my life growing up. But then, of course, when my mom passed away, both my grandmothers became even more important being that mother role in my life and and lose each of them. And they were very old when they passed away. I mean, fortunately, they lived well into their 80s, late 80s, and that was such a blessing. But um, it just kind of brought the, the wave of grief back from when I lost my mom each time I lost my grandmother. And it was really discovering the Ziploc bag of letters, which was the biggest gift to myself, quite honestly, that I finally dealt with the grief and gave myself permission to make peace with it and move, move forward. Yeah. So tell us about this Ziploc bag of letters. Where (laughs) did you find it? How did it get there? What was it full of? Um, Because it sounds like um, to a person who's only read the synopsis of your upcoming book, I am my mother's daughter. um, It sounds like manna from the heavens. It's like, and a Ziploc bag full of letters that contained everything I needed to know fell into my lap. It sounds very magical. Like there's a magical quality about it. 
it is magical. So um, I'm going to try to do this really fast. Um, my oldest daughter was about to go back to college and we were in my room. And when they were little, I have two daughters. I kept a mother-daughter journal between us. So I would write to one of my daughters, put it on her pillow. She would write back to me, put it on my pillow. And it was just a really beautiful way for us to communicate. And right before she was about to leave to go back to school, she was in my room, just kind of opening drawers, looking through things as we sat and talked. And she found one of the mother-daughter journals that we used to have. And we immediately started reading it and sharing and we were crying and laughing and it was just such a beautiful experience and after she went back to school i was thinking later on that night gosh what i wouldn't do to have something like that for my mom something that i could you know touch that i could get a glimpse into her personality and just i missed her so much and that's when i remembered this ziploc bag of letters that i had from the first time I went to camp at age nine until I graduated from college. And most of the letters were written by my mom and my two grandmothers. And every year I would go to college, uh, camp or college, come home, and somehow the letters that I received from that year or that summer would be put, I would just put them in the Ziploc bag that was in my closet. And when I grew up and moved, this Ziploc bag of letters ended up in my grown-up house at the back of a drawer. And after reading that journal with Zoe, that's when I thought, you know what? I remember I have this bag. And I finally had the courage to reread the letters that um, I had been putting off for so many years because I was worried that it would make me feel all the pain that I had worked so hard to let go of and release. And so finally, I sat on the couch one night reading these letters crying the ugly cry that Oprah says, you know, the ugly cry, sobbing um, just on the couch by myself and feeling like I was having a conversation with my mom. And it was unbelievable. It was the biggest gift because I'm in my late 40s and my mom passed away 20 years ago. And I never really had that grown up relationship with her, if you will. And so I kind of was able to get a glimpse into the person that she was. And it was amazing. I could feel her personality. I could hear her voice. And I got a much needed dose of a lot of wisdom that, quite frankly, I needed to hear. I love this story. And I literally wrote down as you were speaking, words and letters as a portal. Oh, gosh, yes. Mm -hmm. And this idea that, because I agree with you, I have this sense too of like, no, I can't, I can't sit down and look at that because I'm going to have an ugly cry and I don't want to engage with that. There's almost a resistance to like dipping into the portal um, because it's going to be painful. And then usually after I do, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad I did that. But it, there's a forgetfulness of like <laughs> how, um, how connecting the portal can be because we see at first that surface level of, oh my God, this is really going to hurt um, going in, forgetting almost like an amnesia about how deep the connection is. Exactly. And it's okay that I had that ugly cry. You know, it was such a release that I needed to have. And this whole experience helped me so much in really letting go of all the pain and the grief and the sadness that I have literally 
carried with me for the last 20 years. Um, and you know, grief has followed me around like my shadow. It's been seeping into every part of my life for the last 20 years and reading these words from the people that loved me so much. And that has, that, that had such an incredible impact on my life. I realized that, you know what, they don't, they don't want me to be sad. They don't want me to walk around every day thinking how we got a bad deal because they're not here with me. They would want me to make the most of every day of my life. And so it was almost kind of like a buck up, Dara. It's time to give yourself permission and, you know, just embrace all the happiness and the joy that is in your life. Did you feel like you had to be sad? Like first, if you, you might be forgetting about them or, or dishonoring their memories, if like the sadness or the grief wasn't there. I definitely think there's an element to that. There's, I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I like to say guilt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's a, there was a level of guilt that, yeah, how could I go on and move forward and be happy and, and do all these things if my mom didn't get to do that with me? Because, you know, one of the greatest, hardest challenges of my life is that my mom passed away just really a few weeks after I had my first child and she never got to know my kids and they never got to know her. And that's been one of the saddest things about everything, this whole thing. Um, But yeah, so the guilt was definitely there, but also realizing that it's okay to let go of all that sadness. And I reading the letters, I finally really feel like for the first time, and don't get me wrong, I think about my mom and my grandmothers every day. They're so with me. They travel through my life with me, but it's not through the lens of sadness. Yeah. And um, I appreciate almost how that has been transmuted. Sometimes I think about grief as like an alchemic process. Like sometimes it starts off really sad and ugly and dark. And then we, by doing the work of paying attention to it and listening to it and giving ourselves permission, as you've said over and over again, we can almost like compress or transmute the thing into a different kind of emotion, whether it's um, joy or nostalgia or like the happy tears kind of energy. Um, I wrote down, I love, no one else has mentioned this before on coming back, but there's Um, this grief you're talking about where my mom never got to meet my kids. And so like, I'm sad for myself because she never got to meet my kids, but I'm also sad for my kids. I wrote grief for myself, grief for my children. It's a unique grief of parents to grieve the relationships that their children will not have. Absolutely. Just, you know, my mom would always say to me when I was growing up, one day when you have kids, I can't wait to be a grandmother. We're going to do X. We're going to do Y. And you know, it was that grief from that loss that, that never happened. So it was that. And then just so many times I knew that she would have been able to, to positively impact my kids and given them maybe something that I thought they really needed that I knew she would have had that magic touch, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so it was really, it was definitely felt, I think as my daughters get older, we're in their um, almost 21 and almost 18 now. And we're able to have more mature conversations, and of course, with this book now, they've they're you know they're re- they've read the book, and we're able to have some conversations that maybe we wouldn't have had. And, and I definitely think that 
the loss of my mom has impacted their lo- their life absolutely and they felt that loss as i i as my husband and i were raising them and i think some of that is because i struggled so much for my for them to know my mom i wanted so badly for them to to know her that maybe it was a little maybe it was a little overdone but that's okay it, it is what it is. And that leads right into my next question of, do you wish you would have discovered the letters sooner, like on your mothering journey? Oh, gosh, yes. I, I, <laughs> Immediately, yes. <laughs> I mean, not even a, a yes, a hard, a hard yes, because it, it, it had such a positive impact on me in terms of me accepting what has happened, me letting go, me, you know, saying, okay, it is what it is. It's not the way I want it, but it's, okay. And I'm going to be happy. And, you know, just so much is there. Um, and if I had discovered that if I had reread those letters and listened to the voices, listened to the words from my mom and my grandmothers, I think I would have realized, and I knew this, but seeing it in print and hearing it through their personalities, I, I knew how much they would have never wanted their deaths to impact my life. I knew that, but rereading them finally in this season of my life, I finally get it. I'm finally able to live that. But you know, maybe I wasn't, I choose to believe that I wasn't meant to find the bag until now, that I wasn't meant to do this now because maybe I wasn't ready to, to go down that path. And, and you know, that's okay. I like that you said, I choose to believe that I wasn't meant to find the bag until now, because it's a different statement than everything happens for a reason. Um, It's kind of like that I'm opting into believing that this was delivered to me or it was, it was a right right time. Um, mm -hmm. And it takes a little bit more of our, yeah. I mean, I'm a different person today than I was, you know, six years ago that I was 20 years ago. And um, you know, we evolve, we go through things and we grow if we let ourselves and, so maybe I, maybe the way that I was able to take in all of the messages impacted me in a much greater way now than I would have been able to receive if I had done it 20 years ago. Yeah. Somehow, perhaps there's more weight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. To it. Yeah. I wonder um, in the letters, because it sounds like they're mostly correspondences while you were at camp or you were at college, which to me would read as... Um, lighthearted or inspirational or even kind of funny. I wonder if you discovered anything you didn't want to remember or didn't want to know. Yeah. So um, it's funny that you, that you said that, but um, so this whole experience made me realize that there's actually four different kinds of letters. There's like the everyday letter, the everyday letter that is what mostly I received, which is the, you know, dear Dara, it's hot here. This is what I'm up to, blah, blah, blah. And then little treasures and little, um, you know, wisdom is they're they're in the middle of those letters. So that's actually my favorite kind of letter. Um, then there's the thank you letter that you write to say thank you for whatever reason. There's the special occasion letter that you write um, to mark a special occasion like um, a graduation or a wedding or, or something big. And then there's the legacy letter that you write if you are going to pass away and you want to write a letter to someone. And my mom actually did that. And, um, the day of her death, my, uh, her funeral, my dad came in my room and he had a letter for me from my mom. And so that was really, really impactful. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that 
What was the question? I got so oh, excited. if you so- discovered um, anything that you didn't want to know. When I was at freshman orientation at college, so I went with my mom to freshman orientation and I was about to start college and I went out and I went out that night and I went to a fraternity party and totally got a buzz, came back. My mom had no idea where I was going. I had no cell phone. She couldn't track me on an app. I couldn't text her to tell her I was okay. So she's back at the hotel, worried, sick about me having no idea where I am. And it's like 1230 at night during orientation. So I remember I, I got back to the hotel and there was um, a little piece of paper underneath my door. And so I, it, it said, Dara, please come to my room as soon as possible. And no matter what time you get in and then opening it up, there was this huge letter. So I went back you know, went to her hotel room, knocked on the door and she comes out. She's so basically we're standing in the hallway at the Sheridan Hotel. My mom's in her nightgown. I'm totally buzzed from going to a fraternity party. And we are hashing it out. And so one of the letters that I found was that letter that she had slid under my door. And I mean, it says it all. I, I put it in the book because, you know, my relationship with my mom was real. And I want to remember all of it. I don't want to just remember, you know, all the happy times or all the good stuff. You know, I want to remember the real, the grit, right? Like the, the fact that it wasn't always unicorns and rainbows. And so um, I read this letter and I put it in the book and, you know, it basically said how disappointed she was in me and how, um, if, if I continue to make these choices, how she was concerned about me going to school and, you know, blah, 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 all the things that you would think your mom would say to you. But, um, yeah, so I, I came across that letter. I love this image of uh, mom in a nightgown and like you a little buzz for her fraternity party hanging out in the hallway, just having at it. Cause Lord knows I've been in hotels while that's happening. And I'm lying in my own bed being like, I think someone's having a fight in the hallway. (laughs) That is exactly what happened. So, I mean, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And it wasn't the, so my freshman orientation was definitely laced with this whole, um, and I went to school far away. And so I was like 10 hours away and it was actually really hard for me to be that far away from my family. And my mom was very concerned about me being that far away. So it was already kind of a thing. And then when I made these choices that night, um, so she was very concerned and you can, you can feel all of that in the letter. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that with us. Cause, cause sometimes unveiling the hard parts of grief or the things that perhaps were left unfinished or the conversations that weren't fluffy, um, is not always something that people want to talk about or, or even publicize through a podcast. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. And I wonder, um, I want to bring out at this moment, a funny letter that you posted on your Facebook a few days ago. I'm, I'm going to read it <laughs> verbatim. It says words of wisdom from grandma, 1982, make sure you're going to the toilet regularly. If you have trouble, you have to mention it to the counselor. It's very important. <laughs> and I read this, I said, A, I hope it's in the book and B, I hope there's a really good story. behind it. Oh, it's totally in the book as are so many other little nuggets. So that was my grandmother's personality and you can really feel the different personalities of these three women, I think. 
you know, and that's what's so special about going back and rereading letters that have been written to you from a long time ago is that you really can capture their personalities. But yeah, I mean, I was at camp and um, she, she was always very concerned about her grandchildren's um, bathroom bathroom behaviors. She was always incredibly <laughs> concerned about whether or not we were constipated and were we going to the bathroom. And so many times she wrote me letters about that. You know, are you going to the bathroom? Tell your counselor if you can't. It's very important. You, you know, and so um, I just had to put it in there. And I just laughed literally when I was rereading them. And I thought, you know what, of course I didn't tell my counselor. I mean, that would have been so embarrassing. You know, excuse me. I'm a nine-year-old girl and I can't poop. Help me. Yeah, I mean, of course I didn't say anything, but um, so it was just a very, I mean, it's kind of how she was. She worried about all those kinds of things. And I love that she, I love, I love that she did that. Well, and it brings me so much joy too, because there are jokes in my family of like, you're not at uh, a family member's event, unless the subject of poop comes up in conversation. So when it finally comes up, you know, now that we're old enough, we all like take a shot or something like it's, exactly. it's kind of a game that we play where we wait. And now that all of my cousins are having grandchildren, it happens within like 0.2 seconds. So we just wait, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a personality thing too. And, and it brings humor to conversations. And when it shows up in letters, there's like, Oh, there they are. It's not, yeah, um, they are. it's yeah, not an administrative yeah. piece of writing. It's, it's got yeah. personality. And she had so many little nuggets of that, like, you know, make sure that you don't put anything wet in your suitcase when you're packing up, make sure you leave it out, but then don't forget to take it home. And just so many little things that, you know, um, a little nine-year-old girl <laughs> probably wouldn't, wouldn't think about. And so I love that. But one of the things that I found in the, a letter from that same grandmother was that she had said in a letter Dara, here's a rubber band so you can go ahead and save all the letters that you're getting from camp and um, use this rubber band and then bring them home. And so I'm thinking that maybe that's how it all originated, actually, that uh -huh. she had said that and sent me a rubber band to... Um, put around my, I just, I don't know. I never knew that. I, I, I'd forgotten that. And then when I read that, I was like, Oh, you know, the first inkling that maybe mm -hmm. these are worth saving. Yeah. I yeah. love that when I saw that. Well, and I'm, I want to ask you a dichotomizing question. So feel free to walk the middle on this one, but um, do you mourn the fact that we are moving so far into a technology age and letters are no longer the norm, like handwritten letters? Um, or are you really stoked about what technology helps us preserve in letter writing? So I think the answer is both. I love technology for the ability to easily communicate with my daughters and see them and FaceTime them and text them and um, track them. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. you doing? <laughs> I know where they are. You know. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I love all of that. And I think it's a beautiful way for you to grow a relationship and stay in each other's lives, especially if you don't live close by or even now during the coronavirus. Thank goodness we have all of this technology so that we're able to really connect. 
But I also feel like there's definitely a place for the handwritten word. And that's something that I'm really passionate about now. And I've always been someone that like, I've always written little notes to my daughters or my husband, you know, put it in their suitcase, Mm -hmm. write them a letter when they're going somewhere, you know, just always put it on their pillow. You know, like we had the mother daughter journals. I mean, I've always been someone that does that. Um, But this just really, makes me realize how important it is because there's nothing like seeing the handwriting of a person that you love and knowing that, you know, they wrote this and seeing just, they held this once and now it's mine. And I don't know, it's just different. Plus I've had emails that I've received from people that were meaningful and I had good intentions of saving the email or printing it out. And maybe I got a new computer or, you know, for whatever reason it's gone and it's out there in the, you know, it's, I can't find it and I'm not going to be able to find it. And so I think there's definitely a place for handwritten words. And I encourage anyone listening to this to maybe think about that and, you know, take the time to write a letter to someone that you really care about, that you really love, mail it to them. Gosh, there's nothing more fun than going to the mailbox and having a surprise letter from someone that you love and care about when you were least expecting it. And just do the just because letter and just tell them whatever, you know, hi, just wanted you to know I was thinking about you, blah, 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 blah. And if you don't um, worry too much about being perfect and having perfect spelling or the perfect handwriting, lots of really good nuggets of wisdom can come out. I love that you said that because that's often the pressure that I and so many of my friends put myself under when we try and write letters. It's like, but what do we say? <laughs> and I'm like, say what you always do over a text or or uh, over email, but just in a letter. Or my sister and I, um, my sister more than me, she's a little better about writing letter letters than I am, but have been trading postcards ever since I moved away from home uh, and went to college. And so we'll even do little doodles if we have nothing to say, or if we just want to share some silly artwork and put it in there. Um, and it reminds me quite a bit of a lot of the political activism that's taking place right now. And one of my favorite organizations is postcards to voters where people will volunteer to write letters to people to encourage them to get to the polls in November and just seeing another human's handwriting saying, hi, this is important. I hope you will, um, is so, uh, incredibly powerful. And then too, I made the connection that you host a podcast called Thrive uh, with Garth Callahan, who's the napkin notes dad. And he like wrote napkin notes to his daughter while he had cancer and became internationally famous for it. And so I'm like, something about a love of handwriting is all coming to fruition here. Yeah, you know what's crazy? Um, I mean, this whole, Garth and I have had that podcast for two years. So this whole thing happened after that. And now it's like, it makes our we're even more connected, like on another level. And but Garth and I love, like, we have calendars that we like handwrite. I mean, yes, I have the online calendar also, but I mean, there's nothing that makes me happier than like a pen and a journal, or you know, a new color. You know, just I I love everything about that. In fact, for my anniversary, my husband just got me this. I haven't used it yet, but it's like this iPad. Oh, it's an Apple pencil. I have one yeah. of those. Uh-huh. So, yes. <laughs> anyway, I haven't used it yet. Um, but anyway, so, you know, I just, there's something really magical that can happen when you start writing, um, you know, and that's just, just like free writing, like even just in a journal every day. I mean, I think it really helps you connect with your thoughts. I'm, I'm curious, did, are you saving the postcards? Oh, for my sister? 
Uh, for the most part, I'm a heavy, heavy minimalist. So like saving handwriting things is hard for me. Um, so I take pictures of all of them and then I throw them away. Um, the ones I really, really, uh, love or find really funny though. I have like a whole file where I've saved them all. What's Mm -hmm. funny is that I, I received my own kind of rubber band. Um, when I started in the professional workforce when I graduated in 2014 and somebody, or maybe it was in a book I read, but I heard this piece of advice somewhere out in the universe that said every job that you have, uh, create an inbox or a folder in your inbox called uh, things to keep or notes to save or encouraging thoughts or something. And every time something good happens, put it in that folder right away. Um, And if you have a bad day, you go look at it. And so I've done this with, you know, my professional inboxes at work, but then I've also created them in my personal life. So when I'm dating somebody and they send me this really long love note or a or tickets to a show that we're going to, or something really cool and exciting, I'll put it in there. Or um, even in, in grief work, people who listen to the podcast and just find it useful, I'll put the, put it all in there. And so on days when things are really dark or sad or even slow, I'll just go in there and kind of start scrolling through. Um, and it's it's a digitization of the, the rubber banded letters. It's amazing to me. But I remember writing, um, when I was 16 years old, I made this list of like, here's the things I want to do for my life. And for some wild reason on this sheet, I wrote, receive 1 million thank you notes before I die. Wow! And I was like, that's really cool. And I have no idea how many thank you notes I've received. I think 1 million is kind of an arbitrary number, but um, to so add up all the things that are in, you know, one inbox and the other inbox, then the physical things of uh, the letters I've received also is, I think there's a little bit of selfishness in it, um, but then there's also a little bit of um, altruism. And I, I think too, is that this is how much you've helped oh, kind of legacy notice. Like there's that. proof and evidence that like your life has mattered on the earth while you've been here. Um, and so to see it via a thank you note, whether it comes through email or actually to my mailbox um, is is like this meant something you've found your purpose. It's been fulfilled. And, and I think, <laughs> my 16 year old self is like, okay, I need, I need proof that I matter in the world. Teenagers often think <laughs> it's like, what am I really doing here? I'm trying to find my purpose. And somehow for me that came out in this vision of, well, if I receive a million thank you notes, then I'll know for sure. <laughs> was my thoughts when I was 16, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was raised to write thank you notes. So that very much translates into my upbringing too. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I, I also love handwritten notes because I think handwriting itself, like the the ink on the page um, is so triggering of memories. I mean, you've seen people that get grief tattoos of their parents or spouses or kids handwriting. Mm-hmm. There's been so much research that shows just like free flowing writing, even, you know, in the morning, it's just such a beautiful way to start your day because so much can like a brain dump, you, you know, you kind of get it all out. You can release so much, but you can also learn so much about yourself when you just do that. And so that's, you know, that's actually a really beautiful habit to have. It's just connecting with your thoughts via a journal. That's why I love that the mother daughter journals that I have with my daughters when they were young, because it was just such a great way for them to say things to me that maybe they weren't comfortable saying when they were, you know, little, or for me to even just boost their self-esteem and say things to them. And I knew they were going to read it because it was in a journal entry versus me just saying it and then forgetting it. Yeah. Well, and tell me now kind of how that's evolved, because it sounds like the mother-daughter journaling practice in the physical book 
perhaps has ended, but as they're going off to college and entering their early 20s and um, all these other milestones in their life, like how are you leaving your own kind of legacy letters in their lives so they have what you had to hold on to? Yeah. Um, so my daughters really did not go to overnight camp. They were, they tried, they tried and they were very homesick. So they didn't go when they were nine years old, but they, they ended up eventually going when they got older. But by then they were allowed to take their phones mm -hmm. and we could text each other. And, you know, that was just so much easier than writing a letter, but, um, they have, they, I write, I've always written little letters to them, you know, put it on their pillow, put it in, in their lunchbox. But if they're going somewhere, put it in their suitcase. Um, my daughter's at the beach right now. And right before she left, I write her a letter and put it on her clean laundry that she was taking. So I know that she, when she was unpacking her suitcase at the beach, she was getting that letter. So that's something I've always done. And they save the letters. They absolutely do. But, you know, that's what I love about this book also is because these books, you know, I wrote these books for everyone and I wrote them for my daughters. And so th there's, they'll always have these books. Yeah. And so it's almost like there's the, there's the printed evidence, the compilation of everything, yeah. but then there's the kind of little everyday sprinkles. Absolutely. And it's the everyday sprinkles I think are so magical because you know, you're having a good day or you're not having a good day, whatever day you're having, it's okay. Especially when you live with people and you can recognize that, you know, and I can write a little note. I'm so sorry. You know, you're, you're stressed out. You're good luck on your test, blah, blah, blah. And then maybe say something that I think is maybe a little nugget of goodness that if I said it to her, she wouldn't pay any attention to, but reading it, I think the message is delivered to a greater, in a greater way. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if you have any pieces of advice for grieving people who are listening right now who are interested in writing their own letter letters to leave to others or um, perhaps starting to go through letters that they were left. So kind of maybe two different areas of advice. So how do I go through the letters that I was left by somebody I love or how do I go about finding them maybe um, or emotionally processing them, which is a whole beast of its own. And then if I want to leave my own letters, when I die, how do I start that process too? Without again, falling into that yeah, perfectionism. Yeah, what the hell do question. I say? Love it. Such a good question. Um, so for one, I would say go through your house, go through. It's amazing what we have in drawers, right? Or boxes stuffed in our houses. Um, or, you know, ask your parents, see if you have a box somewhere that was that is filled with things that from your childhood. It's amazing what you can find in that. And I would say have the courage to go through it. Don't be afraid of what you're going to find because I truly believe, like I said, that I was meant to find this now and whatever you find, I think you're meant to find now as well. And I spent so long being fearful of rereading the letters and they were so such a game changer for me. Think about that when you approach the situation. So maybe, maybe a little less fear and a little more excitement about what this is going to bring to you or the connection that you're going to feel to the people that you love and that you miss because they, they loved you so much that they took the time to write you this letter. It's such a gift to be able to go back and have it. Sure. You might cry. Sure. It might make you sad. You might really miss them. Absolutely, I had those moments, but I'm also so grateful. It's really my 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 greatest um, my greatest materialistic item, if you will, 
that I have. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, I have a lot of really nice things, but at the end of the day, the Ziploc bag of letters means more to me than all the fancy jewelry that I have because it's, it's really, like the thing you'd save in a fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the words from the people that loved us. Th- th- it's the words from people that you love and that loved you. That means more than anything. And that's what I realized through all this. Um, about writing the legacy letter, I actually, in my book, walk people through that. About oh, how, good. Yeah, absolutely. About how they can start. I have like journal prompts that people can consider using to write their own legacy letter. Um, there's really a few things that I realized from the legacy letter that my mom left us. One, she wrote that legacy letter when she was really, really sick. And so I know that it didn't contain really what she maybe would have wanted to say to me because she was really sick when she wrote it. And so I think it's a great idea to write our legacy letter when you're not going through anything, when you aren't in the middle of a health crisis, because you're able to maybe approach it in a, in a calmer way and really think about what you want to say to someone in a different way than if you're really, really sick, going through treatment, feeling terrible physically. It's just, it's kind of, I think it's going to be a different, the result is going to be a different, a different quality, if you will. Um, so I realized that. And then I really realized that there's magic in leaving a legacy letter. I mean, there really is. And my dad actually received a legacy letter from his parents. And it wasn't until I remember when the second of my grandparents had passed away and we were going through the will that we found that letter. And that was just such a beautiful gift to, to our family to have because they said, you know, how proud they were of my dad and just all these beautiful things. It's such a gift to leave the people that you love. It really is. Yeah. And and oftentimes letters contain the things we mean to say, but we either forget or maybe we don't have the courage in the moment or we think it's going to sound cheesy. So we just don't. The thing of like, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I can't thank you enough. I'm so glad you're in your life. You're like people are like, you're so full of crap. <laughs> you're so full of cheese or, you know, whatever it is. And, and uh, sometimes you're like, no, but I really need you to say it and I really need you to hear it. And so a letter is a really good channel. Yeah. And, you know, there's lots of journal prompts in the book that like you could say, you know, the 10 things I want you to know about me or 10, 10 of my favorite times that we shared together. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be dear such and such. It, it, it could be more of a list if that's easier. Yeah. It's, there's so many different ways to do it. There's no, there are no rules. I think that's the most important thing. I love that. And I think too, if you have the luxury of being able to look at a scrapbook or photographs or something else to like start to trigger that, um, yeah. it might be really helpful too. Yeah. There's a thousand ways to, to leave a legacy for yourself through the written word. I mean, like things like bullet journaling and, and th- like what a word a day remind me of a memory that starts with this um, or yeah, what have you. And so there's a lot of ways to get started doing that. With it. I mean, that's the, at the end of the day, you're leaving something one of the last things that maybe the people you love the most are going to read. So let your personality shine. You're not trying to impress anyone. You are leaving. You're really writing a love letter, whatever that looks like to you. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, Dara, tell people where they can find I am my mother's daughter. I know this will be airing immediately after the book comes out. So people will be really excited to get their hands on it. 
Thank you so much. It's of course on Amazon, right? Um, but you can also go to my website, crazyperfectlife.com. And I have five free gifts that I'm giving people right now. Thank you, coronavirus, because I had a little extra time. Um, but, <laughs> um, small but, perks, small perks. Yeah, there are five free gifts that you can get. if you. So if you get the book on Amazon or whatever, go to my website, crazyperfectlife.com and get those those free gifts. It's um, one of them is a sharing journal that you can use and go back and forth with someone. You can write in it via, you can print it out or you can even use it and do it electronically. But there are questions and a way for you to kind of grow your relationship that way. There's um, something that's talks about the four different kinds of letters, like a cheat sheet, if you will. There's um, a template of a letter that you can use if you want to write letters to people. Um, a different, another kind of journal, like if you have kids, so it's the mommy, the mommy child journal. So it's a, a little bit different than a sharing journal. So I would use a sharing journal for my daughters now because they're older. If mm -hmm. they were younger, I would use the mommy child journal. And then there's a happiness contract. So, um, you know, I think we all deserve to be happy and to make the most of our lives. And maybe the happiness contract will help you think about that a little bit more. Yeah. And even writing down um, what you want things to look like can help you get closer to them in reality. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Dara, thank you so much for coming on Coming Back today. This was a blast to talk about and hopefully for you grief growers to listen about uh, the written word. And we hope you'll turn this off and go write a letter. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. So that's all for this episode of Coming Back. Thank you so much to Dara Kurtz for coming on Coming Back to talk about the power of the written word and how writing letters is one way we can process our grief. Dara came back by giving herself permission to read a stack of old letters from her mom and grandmothers, where she found tears, comfort, humor, and inspiration for her own life. You can find Dara's book, I Am My Mother's Daughter Now, on Amazon or wherever else you buy books. For a direct link to the book, check out the show notes for this episode. You can find my new book, Your Grief, Your Way, 366 Days of Comfort and Practical Exercises After the Death of a Loved One, wherever you buy books. For the link to purchase, as well as your invitation to an exclusive book launch party on September 29th, click the link in the show notes. And be sure to stay tuned after the credits for an excerpt from the book. If you'd like to get online grief support for just $3 a month, pledge to support this podcast on patreon.com slash Shelby Forsythia. Our next live grief support call is happening Monday, September 21st at 7 p.m. Central Time. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to Coming Back on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and tell a friend about Coming Back, because you never know what someone you love is going through. Thank you to Addie Goldstein, who composed our theme music. You can find me on Facebook at Shelby Forsythia Intuitive Grief Guide, Instagram at Shelby Forsythia, or simply shelbyforsythia.com. If you'd like to leave a question or comment for a future show, email me at shelby at shelbyforsythia.com. As always, my dear grief growers, it was beautiful sharing this space and time with you today. I see you. I'm proud of you and the work that you're doing in the world. And I love you. Because even through grief, we are growing.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Coming Back. Now, check out the September 2nd entry from my new daily grief book, Your Grief, Your Way. September 2nd. One of the most difficult parts of grief is having to go through a loved one's belongings and decide what to keep and what to get rid of. Death has a tendency to compound our attachment to our loved one's possessions. It's tempting to keep everything because your loved one will never touch, wear, or own anything new. It's also tempting to burn everything so you don't have to face the pain of deciding what happens to it. When you start to tackle this difficult task, try this. Set a timer for 10 minutes. After 10 minutes of reminiscing and decision-making, check in with yourself. Would you like to continue? Would you like to be done for the day? It's up to you. If you decide to continue, set the timer for another 10 minutes and keep checking in with yourself emotionally throughout the process. If you decide not to continue, thank yourself for accomplishing as much as you could in this moment and try again at another time. It's more than okay for this part of grief to take a long time. If this entry resonated with you in your grief, pre-order Your Grief, Your Way now wherever you buy books. For more information, including your invitation to an exclusive book launch party on September 29th, visit shelbyforsythia.com. See you next week on Coming Back.